Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energized Rust. Introduce the guest, man. We have two of MMA's elite journalism <laughs> talent here. We have from MMA Island is Mr. Donna Corby. Donna, big fan of the show, aren't you? Oh, man, there's no bigger fan of the show than me. Apparently, I big-leagued you when you asked me to come on, but I was what I was actually doing was trying to play it cool because I've been waiting for so long to finally get offered... <laughs> to come on the show but you know i'm here now and it is such an honor to be here with uh, with all three of you i'm with the mic working i'm with the mic working finally my mic is working yeah <laughs> and then on, on, i don't know whether it's going to be on his right or left hand side we have from the ultimate mma podcast mr jake jones jake how jones how you doing that's a great name by the way thank you very much you know, when i was younger i used to hate it because jake is not an old man's name it's very much a young man's name but now i'm getting into it because I'm, I'm getting my name out in the sport it's got a little ring to it, so I'm enjoying it. But I'm doing very well. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me. How are you, you know, guys? And my brother's name is Jake, so like I already like you slightly more than Donna already. And my favourite <laughs> YouTuber's name is Jake. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I <don't... laughs> but uh, obviously, obviously, you're talking about Jake Paul, no? Of course, yeah, the greatest. Oh, I can't wait for the show. Uh, for people that... <laughs> For the people that aren't aware of Donna and Jake's work, like uh, we 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 met the two lads when we were at Bellator Dublin. Two lads absolutely grinding. Uh, if I'm going to put their links down in the bio or else in the top comments, so go down and check it out. Make sure to subscribe because the lads are grinding like fuck. But lads, to let for the people that are new to the show, so for the people that don't know you or me, um, I just want you to tell me what you enjoy most about MMA and then who's your favorite ever guest on your podcast. So we may as well start with Donna. Yeah, so uh, I'm absolutely the most casual of casuals, man. I started when Conor McGregor fought Chad Mendes, dude. That's like the most casual that you can be. But uh, yeah, I got really into it around when he... Well, actually, the first one I stayed up for was the Dennis Heaver fight. Uh, so it was, yeah, basically Conor got me into MMA. And uh, ever since, I just fell in love with the sport. And I started covering it uh, about a year or two later. And uh, then I, I got my job at the Irish Daily Mirror. And there was a whole lot more coverage then. Um, so yeah, I just love... I love everything about fighting. I love the atmosphere at the events. I love, uh, I love the sport. I think it's just such a fascinating sport. It's like, it's such high stakes. It's the most interesting sport in the world. And um, in terms of my favorite uh, person I've ever had on, on, you know, any of my different things, I would have to say uh, the great Chael Sonnen is, uh, is number one. Ross is freak there. Uh, Jake, what about yourself? <laughs> yeah, just how can you not love this sport? It's genuinely... One of the things, like obviously everyone growing up was into football and everything like that. I liked my football, I liked my rugby. But then when I started watching MMA, I was like, this is the sport for me. This is this is the best sport in the world. Um, it was actually my brother used to get me into it when I was young. He's telling me about like Chuck Liddell, Rashad Evans and that. And I remember when Chuck Liddell got knocked out by Rashad, I started crying. And I was, <laughs> and I was going, why am I crying? What's it? So obviously there I was like, do you know what, this is my passion. And then a couple of years back, um, I started to basically just every single weekend watching the sport uh so then last year i started taking my um masters in sports journalism and specifically just straight into mma there hardly any focus on any other sport just mma and then from there i've got my podcast now i was working with woe tv um i just basically love what I'm, what I'm doing um and then last year when the lockdown kind of first began it's crazy i think it's nearly a year now yeah. i started running like an mma show um, and we used to put a little quiz on that. I used to love doing that. So having some of the stars on there, Leah McCourt came on it. And she was brilliant. She, she absolutely smashed the quiz, but then would get involved with other fighters. So I'd say she was probably one of my favourite interviews just because 
you'd get involved with it, push it out there, start bantering Ian, Gary, and Reese McKee in that. Um, but also, I managed to secure um, Chris Cyborg. And I remember I said at, at the time, I, I'd hardly been in the game long at all. So when I, when I got accepted by Chris, I was like, okay, this is, yeah, this is big. So I, I love that interview as well. Yeah, no, that was going with Chris Cyborg as well. Russ, what about you, man? <laughs> Can't wait to talk there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I suppose I've always loved them. May like people are always like, when was your like sort of first event? And I don't always always remember because I, I sometimes I was like, but I remember watching UFC 100 from start to finish. But then like I remember watching, you know, I think it was UFC 94 when Machida fought Rashad Evans, and then like you keep on going back and back. And I'm like, oh, I remember watching that fight as well, but like I can never actually remember what was the first one I watched or which chronicle order I actually watched them in. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then like. I suppose my highlight in MMA is being, you know, announced on stage in New York by Bruce Buffer. Like, it doesn't actually get much better than that. I, I don't know if you've seen that, have you? Oh, um, how could I not? You post could... every two seconds. Yeah, man. How could anyone possibly avoid that clip? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> don't, be, don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. Uh, and then I'm just favorite, jealous. Favorite interview of all time. Uh, I suppose it has to be Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in person down in Cork. Like, when you tell when we tell people that story, it almost sounds like a lie. Like, why was Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in Cork, and how did we get to the field? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of your best ones. I I liked uh, the Kiefer Crosby one from that day the most. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was good to. I I think at first he was a bit skeptical, and he was like, ah, these are dubs and these are sound. So yeah, exactly. Got, got over the line. What about yeah. you, Basmon? Yeah, we literally did that interview just before lockdown. Really, wasn't it? Like it was just yeah. like we were like going up, and then it was like lockdown. Yeah. So like. But then, like, we got loads of people on the show online, especially the two lads here. Um, the, my favorite one, like, I, th- I think it was just being so hungover interviewing Steve Wonderboy Thompson as well, like, just live. And we were like, what are we doing? <laughs> Shouldn't be here, lads. But uh, yeah, it's good crack. Uh, for like, obviously, people tuning in now love the show or love MMA or just love the two lads that are on the show, Barry Rusty or Ross. But uh, if you're <laughs> new to the show, make sure to like and subscribe because we're going to get into things right now. Uh, Ross. UFC Fight Island is back this weekend. How excited are you? I was more excited when Kazmat and Leon was there, but I'm actually just excited for 2021 to kick off, how the fight's going. And 2021 is going to kick off the same way 2020 did. UFC have rolled out the red carpet. They brought their biggest star. They brought their cash cow. They brought the McGregor show. And it is going to be a proper 2021. I am very, very excited for Fight Island. What about you, Jake? Yeah, I can't wait for it because, as you mentioned, last year they kicked off from McGregor as well, Cash Star. It's just, whenever he fights, anyone who's involved in MMA watches the fight. They always tune in. Uh, tune in sorry. Yeah. But then also, the fact that we've got three cards coming back now, that's a nice thing as well. We've got regular MMA action where it's not going to be kind of a card, then a few weeks off. Um, we've got three cards to get ourselves into, and that, I'm just looking forward to that. And I think there's some standout fighters coming up as well. On these cards, you've got some of the best. I was talking earlier about um, Munir Lazez fighting on the card. Mason Jones making his debut. So, yes, we have McGregor, but obviously we have so many talents as well that we can watch. And uh, I can't wait to see him fight. Uh, Jake, can I just ask you a question as well? Obviously, for people, if they didn't notice, Jake, uh, he's living in England. Uh, Jake, Jake, what's the perception of Conor McGregor in England? So, it's a weird one. If if people don't like MMA, it's definitely... um, the moment you mentioned MMA or UFC, oh, is that the one that Conor McGregor does? So he is definitely a worldwide star here as well. Like, everyone knows him. Um, in terms of his perception, I would say he is loved in the UK. 
I don't know many people who don't rave about McGregor. Um, I know people who were kind of quite involved in the sport and then have their things to say about him, especially with some of the stuff that he's done in the past. But overall, I would still say he is the figurehead of MMA here. He's not, he's definitely, yes, he's had his controversial moments, but he's not remembered for that in the UK. Definitely not. He's definitely the, the UFC star. He is the UFC star, that's right, yeah. And Donna, come on, UFC, Floyd Island, we're back, um, baby. Tell us what you I, think. I can't wait. I've missed fights so much over uh, over Christmas. You know, obviously we got a little bit of something, something if you're into boxing with the Ryan Garcia fight on January 2nd. But uh, in terms of MMA, yeah, we've been missing it. And I can't wait. I'm, I'm disappointed that our boy Dean Barry uh, didn't didn't get to, to make the, the trip over. But, you know, he'll be back. And, um, yeah, I'm very excited for, uh, for Mason Jones to fight. And, of course to see the great Conor McGregor back and please God actually starting that season that was supposed to start last January against Cowboys Rome. Yeah. Touching on that, like obviously last year, everyone was buzzing Conor was back and then he's like, he's doing a season. Like Ross, do you think, do you think Conor is actually back for a season? Because Dana just did an interview there and he said that the title isn't going to be on the line, even if it could be hands, like just uh, like hands it over. Well, do you, th- do you think Conor is going to be here for a season or do you think it's just a bit of a payday? Because obviously... As uh, Donna well knows, Jay Paul's been calling him out. All this sort of <laughs> stuff in the background, like this stuff's just not going away. I think Connor's problem for this year will be finding the right B side. Obviously, Connor's always going to be A side, and the Dustin Poirier rematch is sort of a perfect fit for him to come back into the MMA fold. Um, a lot is riding on Dana White's conversations with Khabib this week. If he can talk Khabib into a Connor two rematch, well, like that's your absolute. Biggest pay per view in UFC history, guaranteed. Especially if it happens during lockdown, like people will have nothing else to do and they'll have to buy the pay per view. In terms of a third fight from this year, I mean, I don't know if Justin Gaethje or Charles Oliveira, I know they're a rumored fight, the winner of that does much for him. Joe's going up uh, to 170 and fighting for the welterweight belt. Does that, is that nothing for him? Yeah, but I don't know if Usman wins that fight with Gilbert Burns. I don't know if that's the best stylistic fight for him. What do the boys think, Jake? We'll go to you first. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I'm going to go the opposite end of the scale. I think this might just be a one-hit wonder for the year. Um, only because, as you said, it, it's riding what happens this week. I think if the Khabib rematch can be made, then I think we'll definitely see him back. And I think it will be, as, as you said, the biggest fight in MMA history. Um, and, and pay-per-view buyers will just shoot through the roof. But I don't think that is going to be the next fight. Um, I think Khabib, I know there's talk about a GSP fight, which I think could be a potential as well. It, I think it, it depends on Khabib's morality. Does he go for the money, which is definitely going to be the McGregor fight. That's going to be the fight that's going to get him millions. Or, as I said, the GSP settles kind of the GOAT debate. Um, so, for me then, I don't think the Khabib fight will be made this year. I could be wrong with that. Um, and that's why I genuinely think that McGregor's probably going to do this fight with Poirier. We might see him fight at the end of the year, but I don't think it's going to be the year we see three or four fights or basically McGregor running the entire scene again. Um I think we might get a this this fight out of him, and then maybe promotion for a next fight, or as you as you said, maybe even go across to boxing again. Don't know what about you. That's actually very interesting. Two sort of different opinions. Yeah, look, it would be great if he if he did a season. Obviously, as fans, we're just you know dying to see it. You know, as as media members, as fans, as as everything, as people who talk about the sport, it, the more Conor McGregor, the better. What I actually think is going to happen is I'd imagine he'll leave it off pretty much where he left off last year. He would have fought, I think, Justin Gaethje 
if, if COVID never happened. And he was also very seriously in talks to fight Manny Pacquiao in boxing. So I would imagine he might fight for, I, I don't, I think you're right. I think Khabib probably isn't going to come back. I can't imagine Khabib is going to fight at all. I certainly, I can't imagine he's going to fight Connor, and I can't see him going up in weight and fighting GSP or in, in anything like that. He has never entertained the notion of going up in weight, even though he absolutely should. Size-wise, I think that he likes how life is at, at, at lightweight. I don't think he ever fancied Colby Covington too much. I don't think he ever fancied Kamara Usman too much or even Tyron Woodley before that. So I think Khabib is out of the question pretty much. It would be nice if Connor got to fight for a title next, and I suppose if he beats Poirier, he deserves it. And I, I would think maybe a boxing match over the summer and then back towards the end of the year when everyone can travel to Vegas again, we see him fight for, uh, for a world title in Vegas against uh, maybe Justin Gaethje or whoever. Maybe Michael Chandler will be up there by then. God knows. But I think ideally we see him fight three times this year once in the boxing ring. Definitely, especially when fans are allowed in. Although fans are allowed yeah. next, uh, next week. Yeah. The tickets are going to be very expensive. Uh, Ross, like, the lads were sort of touching on it there. Connor, we're looking at what he does next. Like, obviously, Jake doesn't think there's going to be a season. You think there is. Done is, a, like, a two two fights, maybe. But uh, not one of us have brought up the, the possibility of Connor losing this fight. What happens if Connor loses this fight, Ross? I just don't see it coming to fruition that he does lose it. Um, I actually rewatched the UFC 178, uh, which was an absolute stack card, by the way. Like, Cowboy yeah. versus uh, Alvarez on that card as well. And I think, actually, uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson top that headline that card against Chris Carriasso I think it was which is like an absolute wild card for him to be uh, was that not Jones Cormier no uh, I think it was meant to be but that got cancelled if, if I'm not correct I think that got pushed to UFC 181 maybe I'm sure Jake probably knows it off the top of his head <laughs> uh, but um, yeah it was an absolute wild card uh, McGregor yeah. very much utilised spinning back kicks in that fight uh, I think Threw three spinning back kicks. He threw a check hook kick off the start. And I just think Conor McGregor is so fast out of the traps that, and his range distance is is actually next level. Like it really, really is when you really intimately watch it. And uh, I've seen so many people try and break him down. I mean, a big thing that they're gonna, you're probably gonna see Poirier try and do is like, you know, kick that lead leg of his with a few leg kicks. But look, many people have tried before, and it. It's not enough. It's not going to be able to get the job done. The only way you can beat Conor McGregor is if you have a Khabib-esque style that you can absolutely drag him down to the ground or if you're an ATS and you're an absolute zombie. We've seen Poirier be knocked out before and I think we're going to see it again. Yeah, but, okay. Well, let's play devil's advocate here. Like, as yeah, Bisping would say, devil's avocado. If, like, who knows? Remember uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley lost a Chia Rivera, like, he, his leg was ruined. Like, what happens if something like that happens? He rolls his ankle. Like, what, what do you think then? Well, I think let's, 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 let's let on that he loses, right? But I think if he does lose, it obviously depends on how he loses as well. And, uh, you know, obviously the trilogy could be there Poirier versus McGregor. Um, yeah, if he loses, sorry, McGregor, sorry to interrupt you. Not for mm-hmm. it. Sorry to interrupt, but, but if he loses, it's almost better for everyone because he'll be pissed off. He'll be wanting that rematch immediately and he'll be back in there in April or May looking for that rematch and the, the trilogy with, um, with, with, with um, Dustin Poirier. So yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's great for everyone. If, if Connor, uh, if Connor loses. Except for Connor McGregor. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. What about you, Jake? If Connor loses, 
So I'm sticking with Ross in the sense that I, I don't think Connor is going to lose it. Um, I think if he does... <laughs> Lads, I love the way I'm trying to play both sides here, Andy. You're just like not having it. You're like, he's not losing. I know, I don't think he's going to lose either, but it's just like, just... Yeah, yeah. It's hard one. I think I think Poirier is definitely like a worthy opponent. And I think that's something we need yeah. to consider is that like, Poirier, since their first fight, has come on massively. Um, and the style that Poirier brings is incredible. I think it depends on what McGregor turns up on the night. So if it's if it's that motivated McGregor, it, you said earlier with like Khabib, Khabib is the best at wrestling, and I think McGregor's probably up there with the striking yeah. as well. With that, he's a different animal. So if he comes up in the best form, then I don't think Poirier does stand a chance. But if he comes up and is a little bit gassed out or hasn't been focusing fully on on the camp, then I think he could have a hard night against Poirier. And obviously, in my opinion, the worst case scenario is going to be say McGregor getting knocked out. If you see McGregor get knocked out cold, that's not going to do a lot of good for, especially what people yeah. kind of expect from McGregor. Um, I said if it's, if it's a five-round brawl, maybe it's different because then it maybe loses by decision and then that kind of rematch does come into fruition. You think, yeah, that, that all makes sense. If it's first-round knockout, it's just going to be an awful night for him. But as I said, I'm completely other end of the spectrum. I think that McGregor, as I said, if he, if he goes in and focuses McGregor... Um, I, I think he just does just exemplify Poirier's abilities um, and is just better at all of them. Um, and that's no disrespect to Poirier. I think he's phenomenal. But I do think, especially McGregor striking, he is a different animal. Yeah, let's not lie as well. Like, if McGregor wins, like, it does better views for everyone as well. So, like, I mean, it's he's feeding everyone, put it that way. But, uh, don't know, like, like looking at Connor's preparation in the build-up to this, the way he's he just looks like a caged animal, like, like, what sort of Connor are you expecting to come in here? Are you expecting like a sort of a, a brash Connor, like on the mic saying like I've, I've I sparked you once, I'll spark you again or something, or do you think he's just going to be very humble? I would imagine it'll be the same Connor that we saw against a uh, cowboy. You know, a respectful guy, um, someone who understands that Dustin has been in there a whole lot more than he has pretty much since Connor won the title. Uh, you know, in in twenty uh, in twenty sixteen. You know, like we we've seen him in the cage twice we've seen him in the boxing ring once Dustin's been in there a, a whole lot more than that so I would imagine that Connor will come in with the the requisite level of respect and uh and that is not good for uh, for Dustin Poirier what Dustin Poirier would need is a brash uh overconfident Connor uh, in my opinion Ross what are your thoughts on that we haven't touched on this before um yeah what's called I think the only time Conor McGregor won't respect Poirier is in the cage when he's putting them to sleep. I think that's the only time <laughs> you, you don't have a spectrum. And like, I feel like I've gone like full Conor McGregor fanboy the last week. But when you actually look back and look at the body work Conor McGregor has put together, like if you like, I love when people have a common denominator. And I've seen um, <clears throat> the Eddie Alvarez that Conor McGregor fought and the Eddie Alvarez that Dustin Poirier fought because I feel like Eddie Alvarez brings basically the same fight to every fight. You know what I mean? He, he brings the dog to the fight. And Poirier has that dog. McGregor has that smart, that smart. His, his fight IQ is so much higher. He picks and sees those shots. And I feel like Poirier is going to swing, miss, and really pay for it. And I just feel like McGregor is going to get it done in one. I really, really do. I think Poirier loves the brawl too much. He said he wants to make McGregor bleed. I think he's going to want to fight him in the phone booth. And if he's going to want to fight him in the phone booth, he's going to get caught with something. And he's gonna go night night. That's just the way I see it. I, I can't be convinced otherwise. Uh, Jake, I was just watching T.L. Bond's podcast with Dustin Poirier just to see what he was saying. 
and like I couldn't help but feel a bit bad for Poirier the way like everyone's sort of like go on Connor, go on Connor. But uh, Tio Vaughn asked Poirier, does he want to kill McGregor? And he was like, no, no. But like, <laughs> do, you th- do you think like by him obviously not not admitting that he wants to kill Connor, but do you think do you think by saying that it, you can almost see like that maybe Poirier has sort of softened up a tiny bit? Yeah, I, well, I think I don't want to touch on it, but these guys are, are going to be respectful to each other. I think it's also because they can both easily get knocked out by each other. You can't go in there and talk so much trash and then get banged in a second. Like, if that happens, you lose a lot of your value. And obviously, McGregor being kind of the way he's made his name in the sport has been on this trash talk and, and everything he's done for the sport. I think if he goes in with that same attitude and then gets knocked out straight away, then he loses a lot of that that stock value. Um, so I think they're both going to go in respect. And I think that's why they're both not saying at, the, at this current stage, yeah, I'm going to kill them and I'm going to do this because there is no need to. There's not that bad blood that we've kind of seen with, with Connor and Khabib. Yes, these two have fought each other before, but they're both high-level athletes and they're both champions in, in the sport. Um, I, I, I don't think they need at the moment to go in with a lot of the time, I think you see this trash talk happen when they they want to feel like they need to try and sell the fight more. This fight doesn't need to be sold more and more and more. It's it's already one of the biggest fights of the year. Um, and as I said, I think if you weigh that up with saying that you're going to do something and then getting absolutely knocked out in a second, then it doesn't work. Um, but then, obviously, McGregor recently has said that he's going to knock him out in under 60 seconds. That's what he's recently said. Is just he's predicting that. Cue the gone in 60 seconds memes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's very possible. It's very, very possible that Connor goes in there and touches him one time and it's over. You know, that like the people are not giving I think that we never give enough respect to Connor because of how quickly he did everything. His CV is unbelievable. I've always said that the biggest black mark on his CV isn't any of the losses. It's that he fought Dennis Seaver when he did, because he probably could have just waited and fought Chad Mendez or Jose Aldo. But, but, but do you remember then everyone thought it was like a warm-up fight? Everyone thought, oh, they're, they're giving him an easy fight. And since then, everyone has been calling him a hype job. If he had gone from Poirier to Mendez to Aldo, everyone would be saying, yeah, that's a, a great trajectory to a championship. Holloway, Poirier, Mendez, Aldo with Brandao in there as well. It, but he's we never give him the respect he deserves. He's one of the greatest strikers in the history of mixed martial arts. He's one of the best boxers in the world. I, I think... There's a very, very good chance with those little gloves on that he goes in and knocks Poirier out with one punch. Frost, sixty seconds, man. Is that is like a, what you make of that, man? Well, you don't cowboy in sixty seconds. I know. You know what I mean, so like again, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he does it. Look, if you ask me, I think it's probably in between the two and three minute mark. I think. Um, 60 seconds gives McGregor that range. He'll find it within 60 seconds. Um, once he does, you know, what I mean, it's a bit. Uh, I'm going to take an adage of uh, our mate Dean Barry, you know, what I mean, like it's sniper time, you know, what I mean, he's going to come in there <laughs> and start picking those shots. I'm like, I don't know, I, I, I'll never get sick of saying it. He picks his shots better than anyone. Um, in those lighter weight classes, he's an Francis and Ganyu esque power. <laughs> when he hits you, he hurts you. Yeah, do you remember that they did they did some sort of test in the UCPI and they, they, like Connor was very close to Francis and Ghani's like striking power. Was that the kick though, though, or was that a punch? I'm not too sure, to be honest. I'm not too sure. But, well, but at those lower weights, yeah, he like he hurts people as badly as Francis and Ghani does. That's true. Like he's and he's obviously got 
a million times better technique than Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou is, is, you know, technically speaking, just an atrocious fighter in, in so many ways. I mean, he, 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 he can't really, he can't really box very well. We've seen everyone has him as a favorite against Stipe. We saw what happened when he fought Stipe. Nothing has changed since then. We have seen no indication that he is any better at any of the things he was bad at then. But Connor has, has a lot of this game figured out. And I think, um, I think, yeah, you're right when you say that he is Ngannou-esque in the way that he puts, uh, puts guys to sleep at, at 145 and 155. Jeez, tell us how you really feel, Donald. <laughs> 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 Just even the way that like, Connor like, sort of brought Cerrone into like, a, a false, false sense of security, the way like, they were, he was real kind and nice beforehand, shaking hands, cordial. Then in the fight with the sh- with the shoulders, like they came out and no, like ca- nobody was expecting that. I think this could have sort of be the same thing. That's why Connor's have to give money to Poirier's char- charity. Like he could go yeah. and shake hands, then to get this sort of. That's why he does like back kick, back kicks to the shins. Remember Connor does stuff like that. Like yeah, he, he, you don't know what he's gonna come out with. But like like before before we we sort of wrap up with the Connor and Poirier thing because that's obviously on next week and this weekend it is Max Holloway Ross's best friend against Calvin Catter. Um, <laughs> Dana, Dana White, what, what do you make of what Dana White has done over the last year, making sure that like five fans have had shows nearly every week, like lads, you and all yourselves, we have content every week, bar the beginning of this year, but now we have three fights in a week, it's almost too much, but I mean, like, what do you make of what Dana White has done over the last year, and also he says in the next two years, it's going to get even bigger and bigger and bigger, and also they just hit 25 million on Instagram, Ross, we start off you, but. Yeah, well, I, I think what Dana White's done is incredible. You know, he's brought us Fight Island, which I love Fight Island. I love the concept of Fight Island. I hope Fight Island is a very decent annual thing yeah. when um, this is all said and done. And, and that's uh, why we're doing the show. Fight Island's going. back, baby. Yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think he's actually done an incredible job. He's, you know, managed to create absolute beauty and chaos. And, you know, that's what part of fighting's all about. Jake, also, who does Dana White remind you of? The way his, uh, his hard work and his ethic to, to zoom on him, anyone? Bar me, bar me, obviously, but I mean, anyone else? Yeah, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so Dana, for me, is a brand of his own. He, I think he, yes, he's had his moments where people agree and disagree with him, but overall, this sport is has has its rise has been more rapid, I think, than any other thing we, we've seen in our lifetime. Um, I think it's not like the, the male and the son, their second biggest online traffic behind football is MMA now. Like, MMA is a sport that people, I mean, I remember when I was first started getting into it, oh, is, is that that UFC thing? Or or they'll talk about, like, cage fighting or stuff like This sport has grown massively to one of the most respected sports in the world. And I think that is largely down to Dana. Um, I think the way he's promoted the sport, even, as you said, over the last year. I love Bellator, but compare what Bellator have done over this last year to what the UFC have done. The UFC and Dana White are just standards above a lot of the sporting industry. Um, and that's why I don't think you can compare him to anyone. Um, I don't always agree with him. I don't agree with some stuff he does. However, I think as a promoter for the UFC, um, as the president, as someone, I think he is overlooked as someone who's one of the most crucial people in this sport. Um, and I think if you if you put a list together on the most influential people, I think some people would miss him off when actually he should be number one, second, third. He, he should be up there. He's you, you, you can't deny that he has grown this sport incredibly. Dunno, what, what about, about yourself? What, yeah, what, what about the Irish DC? Yeah, Dunno, because uh, if you think about it, if Dana had taken the money and left with the Fertitas, I don't think yeah. you'd have a fight on it. 
No, well, look, I think that uh, when everything calms down in the world a little bit, I think the state of, of Nevada and, and, and as well as, as President Biden should honor Dana White for what he did back in, in April and May. You know, I think that what he did for, for the world was such a was such an incredible risk to take. They spent so much money. They lost so much money. It was a, definitely a lost leader for the UFC at the time. They, they could have done it on April 18th. They ended up doing it in, in the middle of May. And I think that no one else had the stones at the time to, to even try it. And I think that uh, what he's, he's done for the world is, is incredible. And I, I think that we, we can't, and I don't want to be like a bootlicker too much, but I think we can't thank Dana White enough for, for that in particular. And I think that people are so harsh on him. People just love to have problems with Dana White. I think the media people love to have their rivals, love to have their people they report on and they, you know, get all, you know, they like to investigate what's really going on with Dana and stuff. But I think that uh, overall, he has been a net positive for the world of sport. And uh, for, genuinely, in 2020, he was a, a net positive for, for the world, full stop. I can't agree more with that. Yeah, just even the way he's like, you, uh, sorry, uh, Donna, you, you, you know exactly where I'm coming from here. The way he's like introduced the sort of the, like the social media people, sort of like the Nelk boys. And then obviously like he knows, he knows what he's doing with mentioned Jay Paul and Logan Paul. He's getting more and more eyes and views and it's uh, he's, he's a genius. And it's sort of like, I feel like Bellator are a tiny bit being left behind. Now I know like we're all, we've all, become, we've all like met each other through Bellator. And like they've they look after us brilliantly, but I think some things they need to sort of you, you can copy copy or imitate. It doesn't matter as long as your product gets better. That's something they should really take from the UFC. I think. As I say, Basmo, there's levels to this game, and UFC have showed yeah. throughout the pandemic that they are levels and streets ahead of the rest. Yeah, they left the world and, and hit the moon. Mm. In their own <laughs> world. Did. Yeah. Did. Well, Basmo, we have a look at this this week's card. We'll have a look at a bit of foil oil in, in in general as a whole. Will we? Yeah, so if you are new to the show, make sure to like and subscribe and make sure to follow the lads as well. So this Saturday, UFC Fight On, we are back. I also can't wait for all the embeddings and the countdowns and everything. It's going to be great. But the first, uh, the first card of the week on Saturday is going to be Max Holloway taking on Calvin Catter. Max Holloway, former featherweight champion. Ross, you're a best mate. We just put up a photograph today on our Instagram. Ross, tell the people how you met Max Holloway in Dublin, please. So for those who don't know, uh, I work for Jameson Whiskey uh, over in Ireland, which uh, can be controversial on the MMA podcasts. Uh, so uh, don't, <laughs> don't, don't at me. Don't at me. Uh, <laughs> he just came in one day with his buddy Chris and uh, he was doing a, doing a tour. And I, I just went up to him and, you know, he, he didn't realize that I knew who he was. And I just said to him, to be the best, you got to be the best. And the best is blessed. <laughs> And if you don't know why I whispered it, I whispered it to him, like, real creepy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he thought this was brilliant, right? So then brought him around, showed him the place. And he was meant to be doing a whiskey tasting. And you know what? He doesn't actually even drink whiskey. Got a photo uh, with him, you know, show, gave him a bottle of whiskey with his name on it. This was not staged, despite what everyone loves to think it was, or that, like, his PR team sent him here. He actually went to Crow Park and stuff like that. He was just in Ireland for a wedding. And he came and he met us. And then next thing you know, I was on like every MMA website ever known to man. <laughs> uh, me and Max Holloway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love Max and uh, he's an absolute legend. Um, the Max you see on TV is the Max you meet in real life. He's an absolute gent. Um, as, as it goes for this weekend though, I think he's in his toughest matchup in the division. Um, look, I, I believe he won the Volkanovski rematch. That's my thoughts on the fight. Some people say Volkanovski won. That's totally up to them. The first fight I thought was more closer to a Volkanovski win. 
But I actually think Calvin Catter is the hardest fight in the division for Max Holloway. I think he also throws very high volume. I think his uh, I think he's got a bit more pop in the shot than Max Holloway does. And I think he, he potentially could put Max's lights out. Um, but if I have to pick, which I do, I'm going to say Max Holloway wins this one. Boy decision, probably 48-47 across the board. Um, you know, Max is a tough cookie to get out of there. But um, sometimes, you know, how many wars you have in you? And Max had a good few wars. That's a good point, Ross. What about you, Jake? Who do you think? Crazy you say Max had a good few, few wars. Because how old is he? 20, 28, 29, something? It's, yeah. It's mental how many fights he's actually had. And I think I'm on a similar base to you there, is that I think this is probably his toughest fight in the division. I rave about Calvin. I think Calvin striking is is possibly the best in the featherweight division. I think he's his... his one-two boxing is incredible. Um, and I think that's what gives gives Holloway a very hard fight here. And as you said, I think he does have more pop in his punches. But equally, we have seen Cater take a loss before. Is a beat. And I think in times, it depends if Cater realises kind of the volume that Holloway's going to actually bring into this fight. It's not just about the fact that, yes, your, your one-two boxing, your, your base striking is phenomenal. Holloway is, is known for his striking and his volume. And I think that's something that might catch... Cater off. Cater's used to hitting someone and then getting hurt from it and then being able to pick up his combinations and pick up the volume. Holloway, we've seen get hit before and he just goes, bring it, bring it. And then he stands a bang to them. So I think that we could see um, Cater kind of get a little bit, just not, not necessarily mm. rocked in the fight, but just distracted by that. And then potentially Holloway pick up and take the decision. But equally, um, I can see it completely going the other way around and I can see a 50-45 going to Cater because of yeah. how good his striking is. And when he strikes, he lands significant strikes each time. It's not just about throwing the punch out there or anything like that. His volume's high, um, but he lands clean each time as well. And I think if he can do that um, across the five rounds, I, I, I think we might see him outstrike out, um, out one of the best strikers in the sport. Do you think it could be closer? Do you think he'll try and put on performance like Poirier did in their second fight? I think it's going to be really close. Um, I, I don't think you could say that either of these guys are going to just absolutely demolish each other. Um, but I think you do need to take from the Poirier fight as well, because I would suggest Cater's slightly bigger than Holloway, not in terms of the actual height, but just the, his frame. Holloway is, is very tall, but when he came against Poirier, he struggled with that a lot. He struggled with just the strength of 155 pounds. Um, so I think Cater could easily make a 155 pound um, weight class if he wanted to. I just think he fights here because it's the optimal wait for him um so i think we might also see holloway struggle with that struggle with cater's actual power um and his physicality throughout the fight but as i said i I wouldn't be surprised either way with this fight if it went if holloway just absolutely proved why he's the former champion and just demolished him um i I don't think it's gonna be a knockout from either guy but i think either way it's just gonna be a close fight um and i think it's gonna be Probably a fight of the year contender. I think these two will really stand a bang. That's a great. That's actually a great show for a fight of year contender. Uh, yeah. If I'm correct here, Donna, I think mm-hmm. the last time Max Holloway fought for a non in a non-title fight was December 10, 2016, Holloway versus Pettis. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, yeah. I don't know all of the facts, but yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah, and then if you're looking at things now, like Holloway has obviously been a champion for so long, he's held the belt. He's like arguably the greatest featherweight to ever do it. 
and now he's fighting Calvin Catter, someone that's sort of coming up a hungry dog. Like, what Max Holloway are you expecting this weekend? Like, do you do you think it's going to be Max Holloway go back to the big the draw the beginning or drawing board, or do you think he still has it in him to go and win the title again? Look, if Max maintains the the style that he did in the first two rounds against Volkanovski in their last fight for the whole five rounds against Calvin Catter, I can't see how Calvin Catter is going to going to get inside that and, and beat him. So. I, like, I think that Max just needs to keep doing what Max has been doing. I also think that Max was a victim of the length of, of the way that MMA judging works in that there's five five-minute rounds as opposed to maybe, you know, 10, two-and-a-half-minute rounds. Or, you know, it, it, it's based on, on the judges only get five times to, to, to pick their scores. And so there's a very good uh, chance that he actually won against Volkanovski, you know, if, if things were a little bit different. And, and so I would just – if I were Holloway – I would not be uh, too downhearted by the fact that I've, I've lost those two title fights. I would pretty much keep doing what I'm doing. And I think as of right now, he, he would have enough to get past Calvin Cater. But you're right. It's definitely going to be an incredible fight. And it is one of those ones that is, is really, really difficult to call. And Basma, yeah. I'll just jump in there. Uh, yeah. UFC 206 against Pettis was for the interim featherweight title <laughs> just for uh, yeah. Max Holloway uh, Pettis misweight I think that's what you thought maybe it was a non-title fight but uh, his last non-title fight I think was against Ricardo Lamas remember for the last 10 seconds Holloway beat the brakes off him and then yeah. pointed the octagon ground and then they banged it out for the last 10 seconds Yeah, that was you also see, the famous night of uh, left hook Larry I think uh, Jake Jones's mate Michael Bisbing <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, just, just touching on that just what um what Donna said as well there, Ross, right? So, like, we all sort of think that Max Holloway will get the job done, but, like, in his training camp now, coming off two losses against Volkanovski, like, what is he meant to do on the mic if and when he wins? Well, I think he has very much the right to call out Volkanovski with a dominant win. Obviously, I think they're going to go the route of Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega next. But I was only sort of looking at the frames of the featherweight division. And, like, if you look at the beat Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, Calvin Catter. If you just sort of take Volkanovski off because he's a bit of a short arse. Um, if you look at those, it's like they could easily get in there and fight the 55ers and like be very, very competitive. You know, you can fight your your Gaethys or your Poiriers, your Dan Hookers, your Michael Chandlers. Like in terms of stature wise, like those guys could easily move up and fight at 155. Did Volkanovski well. not fight like 205 or something as well though? I, I think he paid, he weighed about 205 pounds when he was playing rugby league. Oh, it's probably just rugby league. Um, so he, he, he's a big dog but uh, I think Volkanovski is very, very good but there's just something about him that is not that entertaining, not that captivating. I don't think the UFC are that mad and having him as a champ. I think they'd rather Max Holloway. I think he's a bit more of a money maker, a bit more of a draw for them. Yeah, so you think Max Holloway will call out Volkanovski again? I think so. I think he sees that as his belt, his division, and he'll want that fight back. If so, I were Max, what I would do is, sorry to, to interrupt you, but, oh, Vance, but I, what I would do if I were Max is I would get on that mic and I would say, Henry Cejudo, get back in here, 145, let's fight, and the winner can get Volkanovski then, right? Because, you know, I think that Cejudo has not proven necessarily that he should be fighting for a third world championship. But remember the old days in the UFC where if someone wanted to move up in weight and do the, the, the two-weight Thing they would have to do at least one fight in the the higher division. So yeah, if I were Holloway, I would say let's go old school, let's go fight Henry Cejudo, and uh, and that's what I think he should do, and and sort of an, an out of left field call out for uh, for Holloway. Jake, Jake, what about yourself? Do you think uh, Max Holloway should stay in the featherweight division, or do you think he should probably try and move up a bit as well, one fifty five? 
I'm going to play devil's advocate again. I think it's going to be, I think he's going to be very mellow if he wins it. Um, I think because he's come on off two losses to the title against Volkanovski, um, I don't think he can go in there and say, yeah, this is my division. Don't get me wrong. I think he's one of the featherweight goats. Um, I think he's done so much for that division as well. But overall, I think he's going to probably win the fight and say, look, we're just going to have to see see what, what's in the pipeline. And I think even a matchup with Chanton Young would be a good fight as well. Um, someone who's kind of in that picture. Right, yeah. Near the top. Um, and, and as I said, it's just not going for that bold, yes, I need the title now. Mm. I think potentially getting him another fight and then there's no What about Zabit, Jake? I think the Zabit fight's good, but Zabit always has his issues with how many rounds he wants to have. And when basically when he fights, he's quite picky with it. Um, I think Holloway is the complete opposite of that. He'll fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. Um, and I think Chan Sung Yun suits that as well. So I don't think... I think they could potentially make this a beat fight, but if it's going to be way in the pipeline, I think Holloway is going to say, no, I'll take any fight that's available there. Um, and, and as I said, I think the the, the, uh, the Korean Zombie could be um, a very good matchup. And obviously with Ortega hopefully getting the Volkanovski matchup, I think that would be um, very fitting on who deserves to get him next. Here's, here's a real devil's advocate for the three guys, right? Dustin Poirier gets injured over on Fight Island. Max Holloway is coming fresh off a win against Calvin Cater. Holy smokes. Does Dana White oh, put out the back signal or the cupcake signal in this case <laughs> for Max Holloway? Or does he break up that co-main event and put Hooker or Chandler in there? Who gets the shot at the Golden Goose? Don't oh. even go first. Holloway and McGregor would always be a great fight. Look, that was a close fight the first time. I think, obviously, Connor had that, that very, very bad injury. Um, it, early on in that fight when they fought at, at 145 but these rematches it's always easier to sell them when they're at a different weight that's a very easy way to say oh things are going to be different this time uh, so yeah that would be a lot of fun actually if Max were to but he would probably have to win decisively he would probably have to finish him and you know I can't imagine he would want to fight again a week later if he had just gone five rounds with someone as as you know as much of a killer as, as Calvin Cater so that would be great fun though that would be very – if I were him, yes, that would be a good idea now that you say it, Ross, for him to say, I'll do the, the stand-in, I'll stick around on Fight Island, and I'll be there in case something happens to your, uh, to your main event. Or, fuck it, to your co-main event. Why not? Well, the Wino Warrior would step in. Jake, give me one name. Conor McGregor's <laughs> opponent, Dustin Poirier, pulls out. Who is he fighting out with those three guys? All the way. Basmo? It, it obviously depends on timing and everything, but I'll, I'll, for, for the crack – because, you know, like something always happens. I'll go Max Holloway as well. But uh, yeah, we have a, yeah. Let's have a look at the rest of the car, Basmo. Yeah. Give it a, let, give it a uh, down there. Let, let me just give me two cents there as well. Uh, I think Holloway is going <clears> to win. I think it's just going to go into the championship rounds and I think he'll take over. But, uh, lads, I, I'm just going to mention a few fights in this card. And then, uh, but, like, do you know what? Each, each is going to pick one fight for people to look out for, right? Because uh, the, obviously the majority of the people here for were sort of like the McGregor, Poirier update, foil on material, and then Holloway versus Calvin Catter. But, uh, like, for instance, there are fights on the card. Carlos Condes taking on Matt Brown. Uh, Santiago Pozzanibio is backing actually against G, uh, Lee Jean Liang. Uh, Joaquin Buckley, Mr. 2020 Highlight KO of the Year, is fighting the card as well. Uh, Ross, our actual mate, Puna Hill Soriano is on the card as well. Uh, we, we were in touch with him, wishing him the best of luck, and uh, he told us to piss off. But, uh, <laughs> like, Tom Breeze is on the card as well. Jake, that's probably, you know, we'll, probably start, we'll start off with Jake, right? Uh, Tom Breeze is fighting Omari Akhmedov. Um, Tom Breeze, you're you're uh, you're a countryman. What you make of this fight? Tom Breeze looked unbelievable in the last fight. 
Yeah, Tom. Tom's been one of them guys over the years who, because I think a lot of time he's pulled out of fights because of injuries. Um, he has had a lot of troubles, but in terms of his actual ability, um, he is up there with the best. I think he's also been training with uh, AJ, Anthony uh, Joshua. I'm sure recently there's been photos of him and Joshua training together. Tom Breeze is one of the guys I've been out to Renegade a few times. He literally walks around there as if like he's kind of like their coach. He, 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 everything about Tom Breeze is brilliant, apart from his record in the sense that he hasn't had enough fights for where he's at at the moment. But I think a lot of people know the qualities there. Um, I think it's a tough fight for him, but I do think he's got that power, that ability to, to knock the guy out. Um, and as I said in his last fight, he looked awesome as well. Um, yeah. I'm really hoping that if Tom can get these injury troubles sorted and, and basically get a spree going, um, I think we might see Tom Breeze as one of the top guys in, not not this year, but a few years, they'll be saying, yeah, Tom Breeze will be a very well-recognised name um, across the sport as someone who's a very tough fight for everyone. Would you say by the end of 2022, we'll have cracked the top 15? Yeah. End of 2022, yeah. yeah. I said 2021, I couldn't guarantee that just because yeah. I think there might be some troubles in there. Um, but I think if he can get maybe three wins, um, I think what, what would he go to then? 15 and two or something? Yeah. He's got a yeah. good record. Well, this fellow Omari is number thir- ranked number 13 in the middleweight, it says. Oh, really? Oh, well, there well, you go. So he doesn't need another year if he wins. Yeah, yeah. So if he gets that, he will get he will get into the rankings. Um, but as I said, I still don't think we'll see him kind of push into that top ten, maybe top five. Um, I think it's going to be a few years, but I have no doubt that he has that quality um, and that talent that they just need him to kind of knuckle down a bit, and then I think he's going to be absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Also, Mike Grundy was meant to be on this card as well, but he pulled out, didn't he? Oh, I doubt that he, his teammate got COVID. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, uh, Donna, what fight are you looking forward to seeing as well, bar the main events? Yeah. Yeah, so Donna, what fight are you looking forward to seeing most this weekend, bar the main event, obviously? <laughs> yeah, look, Joaquin Buckley is the kind of guy where, as of lately, if you're a casual, you see his name on the bill and the fight's on TV, you have to turn it on particularly uh, at, at the moment when it's going to be on a little earlier for uh, for the Irish fans. Joaquin Buckley is certainly uh, one to watch. Unfortunately, I think he's got his hands full uh, in this one. Maybe this is the end of the, the Joaquin Buckley uh, hype train, as it were, but for sure, uh, he is he's the kind of guy who just brings the eyeballs now. He's a guy who moves the needle uh, as of the last couple of months. Ross, you know what's something interesting here? Joaquin Bucky's fighting the Italian Alessio de Cicero. The UFC could be lining up a middleweight clash between Marvin Vittori and Alessio. Uh, UFC Italy sometime. That could be interesting. Well, I think Alessio is going to have a bit to do to get up to Marvin's standard, but uh, that is true. For yeah. me, I'm actually looking forward to Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes was probably first introduced to a lot of people when he lost by head kick on the Contender Series, but he went off and he fought in Brave, he fought in Bellator, he fought everywhere. And he came back with a bang. And he's a very dangerous man in the middle of the weight division. So I'm looking forward to seeing Phil Haas. What about yourself, Asmo? Well, I I think we're lucky to leave, like, well, obviously it'd be a shout out for Santiago Ponzinibbio. He's back in action. Like, that's something great to see. But lads, in the welterweight division, we can't end the show without talking about the two OGs, Carlos Conda, the natural born killer, taking on the immortal Matt Brown. Uh, This... No offence to Bell- people who, who follow Bellator, but this one seems like a Bellator fight, doesn't it, Ross? Yeah, well, it's two absolute veterans. Um, yeah. These guys, they define violence, the two of them. Like, that's <laughs> all you're getting from the two of them. Uh, 
someone's getting knocked out in this fight. I can feel it. Um, my thing with Matt Brown was I think he could have been a UFC champion at one stage, except he just kept on getting shots to the liver, and you couldn't take shots to the liver whatsoever. And I feel like Carlos Condit is going to give a body kick to the liver and get TKO. I remember Matt Brown must have been on a six or seven and oh streak in the welterweight division, which was unheard of at the time. And he was chomping at the bit for a number one contender fight. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like he ran into maybe Johnny Hendricks at the time. And uh, that ended that. But um, Matt Brown is top of the pops. Well, well, there's definitely uh, an element as well where this card is on, I think it's it's on some big TV network in the States. Is it ABC? Yeah, I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, and, and you can tell that they have loaded it with fights that are going to make people flipping through the channels want to stick with the uh, with the broadcast. You know, there's uh, you've got potentially, you've got one of the fight of the year candidates like Jake was saying, and you've also got the chance that uh, that you could see a highlight reel knockout in either the co-main event or in, in Joaquin Buckley's fight. And certainly uh, you can tell the UFC are, uh, are looking to impress. They don't have many huge names that are going to move the needle in terms of getting the casual fans to show up, but the people who are flipping through channels are going to be entertained at, at some point during this card. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> right, so, okay, so Les, we've sort, we sort of gone over the whole card, like the sort of stuff you need to look into. But like, overall, what's your rate to card and how excited are you for fight on return, Ross? I'll give it a, an 8 out of 10. Obviously, the main event's brilliant. It's got a good bit of name recognition throughout the card. Um, I think maybe it was missing one other sort of almost title implication fight uh, on the card. But for me, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Close to an 8.5 out of 10. It's a good card. Jake? One other thing I just want to add with the Matt Brown fight. I could be wrong with this. I'm pretty sure if he gets a knockout, isn't he? doesn't he go to either tied most knockouts in the UFC or he gets the most knockouts in the UFC? I think he's on about 16 or 17. So that could be interesting. history <laughs> <laughs> made there. Well, um, for the card itself, I think it's a nice introductory card to the year. Um, yeah. I, I would probably say about a 6 out of 10. I think that there are elements to, fight, uh, to, to the fight night that could be better um, but I mean I think that main event as I said could be a fight of the year contender so it's definitely up there with um, it's got potential to be a good card but I think there's a lot of the card as well that you don't, if someone wins what happens next mm. and I think sometimes you have to look at a card and say right that fight brings this fight next and I think a lot of this card doesn't necessarily have that it's got a lot of names so you might not necessarily know um, but you can't fault the UFC for that because we've got three cards in the week um, yeah, the co-main event brings you to the retirement home, Jake, if you're looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Otherwise known as Bellator. Right, do to give us a quick mark out of 10 there? Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that with Jake, 6.5. There we go. Oh, right, just, for, the, for the excitement, I'll just say 7. I'm just looking forward to it. Who do we think is going to win that fight, by the way? Because that's a, that's a very interesting matchup. I'm going to say Conda. Give us one word as there, Jake. Matt Brown. Do you want to? Uh, Condit. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Condit as well, just to go against Jake. You know? Right, guys. Just before <laughs> we finish up, I have some yes or no questions for us to finish off. Oh, so yes. I'll direct them. Baz, I come to you first, then you, Jake, and then yourself, Donna. Yep. Yes or no? Will Nick Diaz fight in 2021 in the UFC? Well, if the rumors are correct coming from his team, I'll say yes. Jake. No. Donna. No. Okay, will Nate Diaz fight in the UFC in 2021? Basmo? 
I'll go yes. Jake? Donna? Oh, gosh, that's a really, really tough question. I'm yeah, but it's leading, yes or no, Donna. It's leading yes or no. towards no. It's no, yeah, it's no. <laughs> okay, will Henry Cejudo fight in the UFC in 2021? I'll go yes. Jake? Yes. Donna? Yes. Will Ryan Garcia be in his corner, Donna? No. <laughs> Will Jake Paul be in his corner? Will Khabib yes. fight in the UFC in 2021? Who? Khabib. No. Jake? No. Donna? Yes. And then I have two more. Will Kevin Holland fight for the UFC middleweight title in 2021? Interim. Yes. <laughs> no. Donna? Yes. And will Kazmat Chemoyev fight for UFC gold in 2021? Yes. Yes. Under no circumstances. Well, oh, there, there we go. go. <laughs> All right, lads. Wow. Before, yeah, just before we wrap things up, uh, if you if you just want to say again where people can check you out, so people can check you out. Uh, Jake, you go first, please. Yeah, just online. I'm, I'm at Jake Jones MMA. That's where I post most of my stuff there. But follow the Ultimate MMA podcast as well. That's where me. And Sean Gilly run that show, um, and it's just a weekly based podcast. Brilliant, Donna. Yeah, you can find me at Energize Show on uh, on pretty much every platform. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, go to uh, to add Donna Corby on Instagram and Donna Corby underscore on Twitter, and uh, check out MMA Island as well. That's where all my uh, that's where all my journalism goes uh, these days. Yeah, brilliant, lads. Uh, if you are, if as I said earlier, if you are new to the show, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, also, lads, I actually really enjoy this format. Maybe we could do it again. Who knows if Bellator yes, Dublin come back, we can do something. Who knows? We'll talk about it. But when uh, Bellator Dublin comes back, we'll, I'll be in the studio with you guys for sure. Jake will be on Zoom, but I'll I'll make sure to come join uh, you guys out on the south side. Wait, we're on the north side. <laughs> the north side. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, unavoided, unavoided. unavoided. Yeah, what's, what's your man Sean Giddy doing next week? <laughs> uh, okay, so make sure to like, share, subscribe, and as always, stay, stay energized. energized. Stay energized.